Hi, I'm Neil Anderson. Welcome to my podcast. This is Return to Real, Honest Health and Fitness. And it's not very often you get to speak to one of your idols. A true legend in the health and fitness industry. And I always said that if I was lucky enough to get Dan John on the show, I'd just sit and pick his mind. Wouldn't say a word. I would just sit here and pick his mind. Folks, you know Dan John. You do. So you might have read one of his books. If you're in the industry, the health and fitness industry, you've read one of his books. What are we at? Nine-ish? Uh, Fourteen. Wow. Um, prolific writer. And you've, uh, if you haven't written, read one of his books, you have, uh, you've read one of his articles, All Over Men's Health, and, and there's too many to list. That you write for it would be yeah uh, it would be sneaking up on probably published somewhere between five hundred and a thousand yeah. yeah yeah for all different publications yeah. I've been I I came up on you meaning yeah. like in the health and fitness world I've been doing this twenty six years and I think that's yeah. a long time but then I read your book uh, forty years with a whistle and that would have been five or six years ago yeah so I uh, yeah so this would be my forty second ish year as a coach yeah. And I started lifting weights in 1965, which puts me at about 55-ish, 56 years of being in the weight room and putting stuff over my head, yeah. Lindsay and I were, were talking about it on the way over. You're like, how do you introduce a legend? Do you sit and give the accolades and talk about no. Highland Games and you no. sit and do all of this stuff? Or do you just go, ladies and gentlemen, Sir Elton John? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that how you do it? Yeah. How you doing? Thanks for joining I'm, me. I'm doing really well. This worked out. This is great. And like I said, I'd be more than happy to come in anytime. I would be so honored yeah. to be able to sit down and pick your mind. I love your style. I love that in my business, what you try to do in the health and fitness business is you try to overthink every little thing. Right. You make sure that you got all the science right, which is impossible because science seems to be about three levels deep. And then you read everything that you can and then you talk in third person. You never have an opinion. You talk in third person. You say what other people said. Right. And you don't. No. And I love that about you. I love no. that you'll just say what's on your mind. Well, the the issue is this, is that when you work with – okay, so I basically have two major kinds of clientele. So it's athletes and then it's military. And in both cases, the clock is ticking and literally, you know – um, I, I wear this little band on this group of guys I worked with, and they all died. Everybody on this group is dead. So we can't wait for the research to catch up with what we want to do out there. Uh, when we're working with an athlete, like I always joke with, you know, at one high school I helped one time, uh, the football coach wouldn't let the boys do any other sport, say football. Right. And then they would come out for track their senior year, and after a few days, they'd say, this is so great. Why didn't I do it before? And I'd be like, well, I don't know, but we only have six more weeks. So every minute we have this conversation about the past ain't moving us forward. So with this boy, with little Neil here, uh, I've got six weeks to turn you from a high school football player into a state champion or somebody who goes to state as a shot putter. So we don't have time to sit down and go, how do you feel or, you know, what is the research saying about the, you know, angle of release? We don't have time. We're going to just get you to throw. So sometimes when you work with athletes, uh, you know, everyone thinks I'm a cruel person because my assessment for athletes is three words. Can you go? Which is the name of one of your books. Yeah, because it's funny because when I work with everybody else, I have this beautiful little assessment and it works that wonderfully. It's a Venn diagram. And then it's just uh, the personal trainers who use it goes, it's the clearest thing I've ever used. Yeah, I know. And with athletes, can you go? 
because you know it's that same boy state track me he walks up and he goes coach usually i have a bagel before i compete and today they didn't have bagels they don't have uh-huh good can you go because they're about to call your name and you got like two minutes to decide whether the bagel or the state championship that so that's sports so what's good about sports and military applications is it it makes you appreciate that you know i always tell people time flies as do we um you know, I'm I'm sneaking up on 63 now. Uh, my brother died last June. Um, people in my family don't live long. Uh, I'm still going to celebrate my mother's 40th year of her her death this year. And my family and I know the clock is ticking in my life. And so one of the things I'm trying to do is if I do and I do care about this thing called legacy. It's very important to me. Um, I've been given too many opportunities, too many gifts. I've had too many people work with me that I feel like I have this debt. And we always joke about this karmic debt. And so for me, I don't, I feel I don't have time to be wishy-washy on things. So you'll just say it. Well, not just, well, yeah. And, and it's weird because sometimes I think I'm being cruel. Like if I'm working with Lindsay sitting next to you, if I say, and I'll just say something and I go, I don't mean to be cruel. I'm just saying Six months from now, you're not going to be an athlete anymore. Your career will be over. The The Olympics are this year. They're not 2021. Things in our my world end, and and that and that really chases us uh, as a coaching staff and as as my athletes. We have got to get things done. The upside of all that is I I feel this way, Neil, is that if so, I have this mental spectrum. Okay, if you're one of my interns, I demand that you adopt an underserved community. So I work I work with deaf uh, athletes, uh, deaf uh, trainers a lot. I have a good friend named Anne who's been wonderful. She lives in Denver, uh, born deaf. And she's been so good helping me coach and present because embracing the fact that she's deaf. My friend Taylor Lewis works with cystic fibrosis. In fact, he proved in a study at Stanford that strength training for this terrible disease called cystic fibrosis is better for cardiovascular improvements than what they were doing. So they lift weights to improve their lung health. Do you remember when there was a time in the 90s, I was told, we don't lift weights for lung health. As a matter of fact, lifting weights is anaerobic. Anaerobics doesn't add to your lung health. And in fact, you'll become less anaerobically strong yeah. and muscle-bound. Why did I dismiss that immediately? I know. You looked away. You were like, meh. Well, because track and field. Yeah. Silly. Track and field athletes, lift, marathoners lift weights. Uh, Percy Cerruti, the great Australian coach, his athletes lifted weights and they broke all these world records. We're pretty sure they, pro- they were probably clean athletes too at the time, <laughs> uh, which is always a thing with you know my world. Pretty sure. Uh, have a so it, you just can't. You just can't say that kind of thing. But to get back to my point is if I, I tell people this, if it works at the top zero zero one percent of athletes in special uh, military and it works for oh people with cystic fibrosis, we can say, you know what, then if it works on those extremes, we can deduce. Uh, uh, well, I got to be careful. That's, that's, ag, that's ag, adductive reasoning, but that's okay. Uh, that it's going to work for everybody else, and so that's why I always focus on the two ends. Um, it, if it works for high level athletes and it works for someone with a terrible disease or an issue, 
then we can figure out what works for everybody else. And so that's my, if you're going to say my research, my research is what are the best of the best doing and, and what about those we sometimes forget? And if it works, let's just apply it broadly. Let's talk about what works. We're I'm creeping up on 50. I'll be 50 next month. Well, happy birthday, too. What, what year is that, then? <laughs> What's that? 70. 1970. Jeez. I, I see it. I see your eyes. There's memories going on. A baby. Just like I said to a guy today, there's like, I'm 40 now. What do I yeah. need to change? The, like, actually, 19, the year you were born was probably the most important year academically in my life. I went. That's when I went to the Orange Library. I picked up the Sword and the Stone, Seven Days to Sunday. And uh, Bodybuilding Self-Defense by Miles Callum. And those three books are still facing me every time I sit down at my desk. Yeah, you have a great memory. Um, we have a lot in common, you and I. I had to just – I have to bring this up. Okay. Um, Aggie, former Aggie, oh, yeah. for sure. You are also Class Aggie. of 79. Um, and I worked at a cheese factory through college. Schreiber's? No, it was Mountain Farms. But oh, my sure, brother sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. My brother worked – wasn't Schreiber's. He worked over at Gosner's. Gosner's, yeah. Our, our rivals, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, let me just let me just talk about that, Neil. And if you don't mind, let me just broaden it out for everyone in the audience. Um, first off, let's embrace the fact that next year you'll be older. <laughs> yeah, I just got older. Uh, are, you, are you okay with that? In, yeah. In 10 years from now, there's a chance you'll be 10 years older? Isn't it weird how people are all so caught up in that? It, just say it. But it's absolutely true. Right. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So basically, I I use uh, Nick Raines' numbers now because it's just so it just seems so true to me. He breaks um, our impact in health and fitness. Uh, say, let, let's just I hate to say this to some of our listeners, but say up to 15 years old. Let's just you know from birth to 15, you should be taking PE classes and enjoying life, Moving and your body, skipping, learn, fun, ride your bike, yeah. learn to swim, uh, wear a helmet, try not try not to. Imp- you know, destroy your life by right. some here. Hold my uh, hold my soft drink and watch this. <laughs> KSL edit. Yeah. So from age sixteen to thirty five, there is, and real quick, sadly, that is where most of the fitness industry survives. The sixteen to thirty five year old. Uh, it's the bro code. It's the uh, it's the, the, the hey, don't take this, but the frat boy workouts. It's the uh, Upper body workout three days a week. Right. Lower body five years from now. Um, hard as you can. Work as hard as you right. can. Eye of the tiger kind of so, bravado. Stuff. So let's just let's just break down. So that group there, sixteen to thirty five. Okay, and really a lot of people will notice by about twenty seven that the mistakes they made in their youth are already creeping up. And then the next group he has is 36 to 55, and it's weird because as I stand back and look, I go, you know, he's right. Still prime real estate in my life. In fact, I was probably, as I told you before we start here, my peak years in my career were around 47. Those were the years I threw my lifetime best in the discus. Uh, I won the, the Pleasanton Highland Games twice. I was a real force to consider as an athlete. At 47. In open competition, not masters. I'm talking about going against college kids. And oh, really? I oh, didn't yeah. understand that when I read it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a tough one. Open conversation. Yeah. Competition. Uh, it's an interesting thing. I, um, I missed it, but my goal. There's a track meet up at uh, Utah State uh, called the Mark. Uh oh, I can see his name. But there's this great annual track meet uh, uh, by former Aggie, and I won the meet in the '70s, '80s, '90s, and aughts. And because of injuries, I had to retire. But one of my great goals was to win that meet. Mark Faldmo invitation. I knew I'd come. Uh, win that in the aughts. Well, and uh, in the teens, the uh, twenty teens, and the other day someone said to me, "Well, why don't you just win it in the twenty 2020s? I'm like, "I like where your head's at." Well, look at you. You look like you could. 
You look yeah, at you're in terrific I feel, shape. I feel very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. 36 to 55 isn't time to start throwing the dirt on you. In fact, it's a great time of life. This is the time, you, in a lot of ways, your career is going to be exploding. And then the third uh, group would be 56 plus. Now, either way, I can work with you either way. Do you want to go uh, up or down? Uh, start with 56 or start with 16? Which way would you like to go? Um, I want to start with 16 to because it, it applies to me. I'm 49, so okay. So let's go. To, you know, 16 15. to 35. Yes, yeah, these are the this is the period of your life that uh, if you're going to make it as an athlete, this is when it happens. This is when, and you can ha- you can have a marvelous athletic career from 16 to 35. That's that would be the bulk of high school, your collegiate years, your post collegiate years. This is the time of life where. Um, there's going to be two sides in this, okay? There's going to be a cost and benefit. But if you take care, there's no nice way to say this, but Art Devaney said it best. Someone raised their hand during one of its workshops and he says, what's the best thing to do if you want to lose fat? And he said, don't get fat in the first place. Well, the person got offended. But from 16 to 35, don't get fat in the first place. You know, your diet should not be pizza and beer, and Every, candy and, and candy and, and all the, the other, you know, you, you, you're, you're going to pay a high price for those, uh, adipose tissue decisions of that period. So that would be one, you know, you have to be, you have to be a little keen on that. Sleep is going to be huge. Of course, even 16 to 35, I would say, so you can get away with more, you can get away with more, but there's going to be, of course, um, uh, folks, you can't see me, but, uh, the best way to think of it is, is a toilet bowl as you spin downward. Um, there's a concept called syndrome X. Uh, okay. When you cut out sleep, you tend to become a little bit more carb hungry. Yeah. You know, if you had a four night, four hour night because of the kids being crazy or something like that in the morning, you're not going to roll out of bed and say, do I want a <laughs> egg white only omelet with just seven different vegetables? I could cut. Dry? No, you're going to toss down. Uh, you're going to just toss down the, 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 what I call the beige diet, the brown food, the, you know, the brown food family, you know, right. uh, and that go to any of these fast food places and you'll and think brown and think brown food or beige food. And you might not ever eat there again. So you begin to spiral down. So because you're on carbs, you're messing with your insulin. And so you're going to get this bounce, which makes you eat more, which now all of a sudden you turn yourself from, you know, lean and fit. And now you're turning your metabolism, your whole system down in this toilet bowl spin. So the decisions you make from uh, 16 to 35 have a massive impact on what's going to be going on at 62, 63, 64. I see. Every, those, those, all that. I don't don't take this meanly, but all that fat that you accumulate in the areas that aren't aren't needed, that's not going to go anywhere unless you really take things seriously. It's much easier not to do that. Right. Um, from sixteen to thirty five, you can get a, your lean body mass is like you know like back when I was that age. I would like to get bigger. You know, three weeks later, bigger. You yeah. know, two weeks yeah. later, bigger. I'd like to lean out. Hour and a half later, oh, I can see your veins, you know. So <laughs> right. the idea, what I would say, as best as you can in those, this would be a, this would be the time of life that if you are an athlete, athlete, uh, I would suggest finding lifetime sports at that time. Uh, be sure you know how to ride a bike and swim and all those other things. Um, try to try to find some things that you like and you enjoy. Uh, I think one of the best things you can do uh, 
financially is if you're going to get married at that time, marry a really wonderful, supportive person who also believes in a healthy lifestyle and saving money and not getting into debt. Thank you, folks. Uh, It's one of the things I love about you. You you won't get stuck on just the science of physiology. No. You'll go all the way, the things that are good for your health. Yeah. I love that you've taken that into consideration. It's been a passion of mine for years. I I tell people all the time, you make one – the two biggest financial decisions in your life are you and your spouse. And if you invest wisely in yourself – Education. Education. when, savings, yeah, making sure you don't do the take right that gap year out of high school and go travel the world and just feel what it likes to live in Amsterdam at a coffee shop. You know, go go to school, get the, take that English class, take that statistics class, get them done, get them out of the way, get the degrees, get yourself. You know, take care of business. You know, put money away. Well, that's all good advice. And then when you get into that next one. From 36 to 55, to me, this is the most difficult one because most people are deep in their career, and many people's careers are not their passion. They don't have a love affair with what they do. And so the word passion comes from the Latin, of course, to suffer, passios, to suffer. And one of the things I, I tr- I've tried to tell people through the years is that if you can find something you're passionate about, you never go to work your whole life. See, um, it's funny because when you say, like, I have kids, you know, do you love your kids? Well, I'm passionate about them. I'm willing to suffer for them. <laughs> and I have. Uh, <laughs> we all have. But, you know, when when people get – I've had a number, I've had a lot of injuries and surgeries because I had a, well, what, a 40-plus year athletic career, 50-plus year athletic career. I mean, I competed last summer. My first trophy comes from 1967. Um, my wife was born in 68. So – 67 to 2019. I don't know. I don't do math, but that's a while. And I loved that story that you told um, in the first book that you wrote. It was Never Let Go yeah. about your first trophy and how it meant something to you because you earned it. Was it Little League Baseball? It was It was, It was. was church ball, yeah. Yeah. All right, I read that story. Do you want me to tell a story? By that. Would you? That's a good story. I yeah. Mean, I, I, loved, I loved the perspective. Please. Two minutes. So – in uh, 1967, uh, this just before my brother went off to Nam, uh, he was a high school American, and uh, so his pictures in the paper all the time as a track athlete. And, and I'm not only was I young for my class, but it was a, a baseball league of third, fourth, and fifth graders. I was third and the youngest kid in the league, and I was terrible. My batting average zero zero zero. So the night before the championship game, of course, you know, I went up to the high school and the guy named Neil Kirsten saw me practicing on my own. And he said. You know, you ought to keep your eyes open and swing level. Neil Kirsten was a student. He wasn't student. He was just a coach. A, just a 16 year old boy walking by. Yeah. And so he said, keep your eyes on the ball and swing level. Within about two minutes, I started making contact. Well, of course, the next night, it's two to nothing. Uh, well, it's uh, two outs. We got a guy in third, and the captain says, who's up? And I said, me. And he goes, we're going to lose. <laughs> bottom of the ninth. What, <laughs> bottom of the ninth. Seriously, it's <laughs> game's over. And I came up, kept my eyes on the ball, swung level. And my, the coach at the time said, basically, I jumped from home plate to first base. I was so excited because I knew I'd won the game, basically. And uh, so I got this little trophy. Uh, folks, it's about the size of two thumbs, and it sits in my weight room. And it's the only thing I asked to be at my funeral. It's from 1967. It means something. I love that story. Yeah. When we come back, 
Can we keep discussing health and fitness through 35 to 55? Yeah. Is that the, the right one? And then, and then we'll jump. And there. then on. And then could we get super deep? I've been struggling to get clients to do stuff that isn't completely high intensity. They want to go all the way to the burn, as fast and hard to the burn as they can. And I'm not sure that for guys my age at 49, that's serving me as well. And all of your books are pointing to higher intensity, low volume. We'll talk about that. Okay, awesome. It's, it's an easy one. I can't wait. Um, you're listening to Dan John. Dan John is my guest today, a legend in this industry, um, right here on the Return to Real podcast, Honest Health and Fitness. Welcome back to Return to Real. I'm Neil Anderson. My guest today is a legend in my industry. A legend. That must feel great to hear. Dan John. Well, well, I tell you when I'm in like Ireland and someone will walk up to me. It happens. It's happened in Ireland several times. Happened in Edinburgh one day. I hear this, Dan John. Yeah. And then they come over and the the wife will go, oh no, it's this guy. And, the, <laughs> and I'm a little uh, like that. I've been a little obsessed for the last two yeah. weeks. I've been obsessed for 20 plus years. Yeah. So it's, it is and the thing is, a good story is my daughter was at Temple Bar in Dublin one night, and she meets this young Irish boy, and they be, decide to become Facebook friends. And he says, so how do you, how are you, we're, we have a mutual friend, Daniel John, how do you know him? He's my dad. He fanboyed out yeah. so bad. Yeah. It was. It's actually still kind of a funny yeah, little story. I can't yeah. believe you said you'd do the show. I can't. Oh, like, mm, yeah. it's what a, what a pleasure. It's, it's if an honor, we're yeah. gonna listen to advice, health and fitness advice from anybody, you're gonna listen to it from a guy like this. So, we were talking before we went to break. We were talking about different age groups, training mentality, yeah. and we kind of covered the thirty or sixteen to thirty five ish. Okay, we started to move yeah. on. Yeah, we started to move okay, on. Okay, let's get into to where you're at. The thirty six to fifty five. I guess the biggest thing here is that you're so busy with life. Uh, it's this is when that's when you're probably dragging the kids around to different events. This is parent teacher time. This is you know you, you know this is a busy time. So what happens at this time? Sadly, at the same is that this is when lean body mass decides to rebel against you. Uh, you used it's probably been slowly happening for a decade, but this is when you step on the scale. And you've been the same weight for a decade. That's what you've been telling yourself. But in truth, you're, you're, you've had seven new belts, everyone bigger in that decade. And all of a sudden, one day you, you say, well, I weighed, I weighed what I wore, weighed in college. And then one overnight, well, what's been happening is slowly lean body mass has been flipping. And this actually is the best time to start thinking about, well, there's two things. Uh, the first is what we call hypertrophy. And most people would hear that as traditional bodybuilding. Yeah. Though you got to be a little careful on that, okay? Because I don't want you thinking you're going for the blitz, the burn, the you know, terrorize your triceps. None of that. You you want to do the basics, the fundamentals. Uh, uh, I always say push, pull, uh, hinge, squat, and loaded carries. Uh, loaded carries is when you pick up a weight and you walk with it. And for those of you who have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you don't need to train that. And you, you got to have. You probably should spend some time. I'm a big fan of weightlifting, so I'm telling you that. Can you do this with calisthenics? Yeah, you can. It's a little more difficult because calisthenics has a top end on it, your body weight. Right. But the other thing that starts to go to is you know, be careful, gentle listener, joint mobility. 
Flexibility is neurological. That is telling some, your system to relax so you have a bigger range of movement. Joint mobility is the free movement of uh, of yourself around your joints. Right. So you know functional range of motion. What in, you do when you move in your joint in, in your shoulders, your, right. your, your your knees, your hips, obviously. Uh, appropriate amount. Uh, I got to tell you, the biggest ones people miss: uh, toes, fingers, Whoa. and wrists. Uh, and I, I get the wrist thing, but I've never heard toes and fingers. Yeah. In fact, one of the things we do in our gym, we call them vents. We do these long 30, 40, 50 second stretches on the, on the, the ankles, the fing, uh, toes, the wrists, and the fingers. And the reason we call them vents is that, uh, for example, I'm showing the, uh, the wrist one right now, is my, my wrist right after, after will be very hot. It's venting the heat out of there. Show me that. Can I? Can sure. I this one is like? just. There's a simple. So one. he's got his his palm up, fingers against the desk, and he's pushing forward on it. And you're just going to hold that. Just hold it there. That's so simple. It's Anybody so simple. At a desk and you could, could go. Doing that. You could go all four directions. Okay. So then he puts his pinky on and he pushes it yeah, down. Down. He puts his forefinger on, pushes like he's going to a handshake on the desk, and yeah. he pushes up on that. And then of course you have to do the opposite side. Yeah. So. Eric, who is a boxer, he got excited about that when you started showing that. Yeah. That's a thing for you, right, Eric? You probably have to have some yeah. more wrist flexibility. So from 36 to 55, you should also – so there's one other thing I want to make sure I bring up here too. But from 36 to 55, this is the time where your lean body mass decisions are going to have a huge impact on your future life. Uh, my old boss told me one time he, – he went on Atkins very seriously. I go – why? And he, he asked me for advice. And I helped him. And he said, I go, why? He goes, well, I was at the golf course and uh, I was with every this little foursome I was with. They were all over 80. And I said to the guys, what's the secret to long life? And the guy went like this with his finger. He waved him. He goes, you notice nobody's very big here. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's so lean body mass. Uh, so So by hypertrophy work. And keeping an eye on garbage, you know, garbage in, garbage out. free means muscle no, body growth. Body yeah. And joint mobility really should be the key there. But also, this is a really important time, 36 to 55. With my daughters, I call it social capital. This is when you really need to make sure you're a communal creature. Um, I've told my daughters many times that as important as money is, finance, if you need your couch moved, to having a friend come over and help you move a couch, that's social capital. Nice. Um, the other day I needed to drop my car off to get the you know the lube and stuff up. Yeah. Well, I just said, hey, would you mind picking me up? I had a friend come immediately. That's social capital. You need to have – you need to be in a community of people who care about you. Now, it, now, some of the listeners might just think, well, he's talking about church. Okay, that's true. But it's also about the – you might have, I have a set of friends that we just do things with. Tuesday night, we go to bingo. It's the silliest thing. My daughters go to the bingo, and we have a friend who's 88 goes with us, and all the ages in between. It's silly. It's called breaking bingo. It's silly. But every Tuesday night, I look forward to it because I'm with my friends. And it, you want to get those things in life. You want to have good neighbors. You know, you want to you want to know your neighbors. Uh, not long ago, I had to help a neighbor. His wife passed out. And he, he needed help getting her out. You know, uh, yeah. and that's that's what strong, neighbors yeah. do. Yeah. And so at thirty six to fifty five, it's really if you went to a school, be you know be part of the alumni group, uh, be in a book club. And I know all this sounds silly. 
But I'm a big believer in what I call tapestry. Uh, the, the word fit, and this is the biggest thing that bothers me in the industry right now, means to knit. Knit, K-N-I-T. Yeah. So a fit person is like a jigsaw puzzle. They're well knitted. So the more, <clears throat> the more you can build your tapestry, the more interconnected you are in that 36 to 55 age range. The, you're setting the stage for a long, healthy life after. Um, it's a hard thing to, to listen to, but you know, at my age, again, I'm turning 63, but <laughs> we laugh about it a little bit, but if you go to your high school reunions, at your 10-year reunion, there'll be a list of three names on the wall of our classmates who've passed. Almost always it's tragedy. It's cancer, yeah. auto accident. <clears throat> your 20-year reunion, there's there's six or seven names, and it's, oh, what happened? Oh, Rita died of breast cancer. That's so sad. Which is true, but Rita Harrington died of breast cancer. At your 40-year reunion, you stand there and you go, how many panels are there of names? You feel like, you're, and this is just at the 40. So one of the things I recommend at the 36 to 55, when I say build social capital, it'd be really nice to have people who are in their 80s who are your friends, 70s. But it's also important to make sure if you if you play in a league, in my 40s, I still played adult football. Um, wow. And I was with guys, you know, my teammates were 19, 22, 23. And there I was, 45, just a big, fast guy who pounded on people, wow. you know. From there, the last group is 56 plus. You, <clears throat> well, <laughs> you, you, if uh, my wife always says, if you plant potatoes, you get potatoes. Uh, once you turn 56, whatever you planted is coming up. <laughs> Which is the point. That's right. the point of planting it early and yeah. planting good health. So, so if you decided to plant corn when you were 19, you can't be surprised at 65 when you've got corn. Um, so at 56, this is, this is a couple things, and we're going to get to your point right before the break here in just a second. So after 56, um, uh, much of your training has to be, uh, in, in your life experiences, the, the need for walking uh, is just, that really becomes important. Walking is such a good thing for the human person. My good friend Stu McGill, he's a back specialist up in Canada, he told me one time that all the voodoo we do is all great and fine, but if you could just get people to go for walks, because right. as you walk, you get that spring in your step, and that spring is your spine and body working together. The human walk. body was meant to locomote. To it was meant like to go that. forward. It was meant to be on its feet moving forward. That's the one thing I think that separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom. We can generally yeah. go farther, longer, with less. It's amazing. With less with energy burn. That's, that's absolutely true, yeah. We have an amazing system. Uh, so it needs to be on its feet. I love your thoughts on that. So the next thing, um, so I would put walking as kind of a foundational thing. But listen, riding bikes and all the rest is fine too. You said locomotion and all, anything that you're powered. At past 56, if you can do mobility work, you can do flexibility work, and you can do strength training work, it, you you are really going to be much happier. Um, Rob Wolf makes a great point. Live long, drop dead. And um, that's kind of my, my, what my goal is. Um, Was that your quote, live long, die fast? <laughs> no, but I, I know I read that in a thing you wrote. That was an article you wrote for Men's Health. I know I read that. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. That was your that yeah. Was an article. Yeah, yeah. He's written so many, he doesn't read Yeah, I, I get lost sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, so any, 
you know, when it comes to nutrition, it's funny. I I, I had this little thing on Instagram. Uh, my friend Pat Flynn, uh, I call it uh, my napkin lessons. If we ever go out to dinner or anything, people will ask me a question. The first thing I do is I grab a pen and I draw up uh, uh, my matrixes, my all my stuff. Well, today <laughs> I did my nutrition, uh, and it's eat vegetables, eat protein, drink water. And uh, if you can do that from sixteen, when you're when you're 56, you're going to be fine. So everything I'm telling you, I, I want you to sleep. I want you to eat vegetables. I want you to eat protein. I want you to drink water. I want you to go for a walk. Uh, I want you to have friends. I want you to cultivate friendships. I want you to care about things. Here's the problem with everything I just said. I can't make any money off of anything I just said. Right. You but can't sell fitness like that. I can't you're sell. You're never going to make a million dollars selling that. <laughs> Well, well a, most of us aren't yeah. going to make a million dollars. The thing is, our, our listeners right now, most of them are probably sitting there going, yeah, I know that. And I know and and I know that you know that. But did you know that I OK, I know you know this, but now it's it's taking those actionable steps. And that's why I'm a big believer in what the system called tiny habits. Uh, that's B.J. Fogg's work out of Stanford, where if you've never trained before, you would do something as simple as you would put your training shoes next to the door and make sure they're there. That's okay. Next week, your job is to put your training shoes on every day and then take them off and leave them next to the door. Third week is to take, put your training shoes on, find something you can see from your front door, walk out, touch it and walk back. And people laugh at this tiny habit thing, but that's more than you've been doing already. And the idea is, I worked with this one gentleman who lost 100 pounds in a year in his first month he had to drink two glasses of water. His habits were so bad. His first month, and I was his accountability buddy, and I, the joke is I called him at 9 o'clock, and it would go ring, 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 because he was drinking that second glass of water. <laughs> but at the end of the year, ran a half marathon and lost 100 pounds. Wow. Because it's that momentum that a lot of people lose. That's why if you can have a lifetime of fitness, health, uh, I break things down. Uh, I don't know how we're doing on time, but <clears throat> I break things down in the four kind of areas. Health is that would be your liver is livering, your lungs are lungsing. You need to get health by blood tests, uh, seeing appropriate doctors. I I recommend eye doctor once a year, dentist two or three times a year, medical uh, checkup once a year. Pretty pretty basic stuff. But that's how you find out if you're healthy. Uh, oh, another word is longevity, and there's two issues there. Quality and quantity. Now, in my family, we don't have quantity. So I try to make it up with quality. And I try very hard to, you know, make a difference. That's our family motto. And travel well, uh, be kind, things like that. Okay? I might die sooner than a lot of you, but my quality has been pretty good. And then the third word that people always confuse is fitness. And that's simply the ability to do a task. And that's the worst word we have. Because as a discus thrower, if I throw 75 meters and I can't catch my breath for an hour and a half, I'm still the world record holder. I am absolutely fit to throw a discus for. Well, I don't want to hear Don't ask about what my mile time is. I'm a discus thrower. So people get that all messed up. And then the fourth word is my world, performance. Someone calls your name and you step up. I take the tools from performance and try to apply them into the other three areas. And then I take the lessons I learned from better people than me in those other areas and, and then shift them back into performance. If, if you just see how there's kind of a matrix yeah, there. I do. Um, so after 
56, first, you're going to, you're going to, you planted potatoes, okay? But if you take your walking seriously, if you take your community, your, your social fabric, your tapestry seriously, you, you make the effort to begin to do some kind of regular a training program of some kind. And, and in fact, I'm fine with, if it's Zumba in your life, I'm fine. Uh, I, whatever you decide is fine. As long as you feel like you're, there's a place to progress to. And so those would be the three big, the three big areas. And do, do, let me just give the a way to do this real fast. I love it. Please. Okay. <clears throat> I have two little tools that I use. And I, I mentioned Rob before. The first is called Shark Habits. And this really has made a huge difference, not only in my coaching career, but in my financial life and everything else. Uh, when you called me up, to, what was yes, no, right? Did I was my answer to you when you said do the podcast was yes, right? playing right off the bat, yeah. Boom. There was no, I don't know. I'll get back. Let me get talk to my assistant. That's yeah. What I so you know, Revelation three fifteen. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. You are lukewarm, and I shall throw you out. I love that. So for me, um, pirate. Uh, pardon me, shark habits are making decisions. Like you'll notice, like I always joke, I'm wearing a black polo. I have 16 of the exact same black polos. And the reason it's only 16 is because that's all they had in North America in my size. I bought every one of their shirts in my size. And I never Just think, so you don't have to make think. the decision? I don't have to think about it. I love that. We have a that's menu. why I wear black too. Today was a special occasion. Yeah. Um, when the kids were little, we had a menu for every night of the week. Later, I also had a breakfast menu. Um, I do... White laundry on Monday and dark laundry on Tuesday. So if there's a big, if there's a lot of white laundry on Saturday, my mind walks by it and goes, yeah, that's Monday. That's a Monday task, not a today task. And I've been doing this kind of thing for a long time. So um, if you ever talk to a bride, there are people RSVPing you and they'll look at it and go, no. Well, now here's the key. You send me a, you ask me to come to your wedding. If I can go, I say yes, check the box, and I say I want the chicken sandwich or the tuna sandwich. It doesn't matter. I never remember anyway. And I send it right back to the – and then I go to the place that they always tell you to go buy things on. I check the box, and, and I send it away. From there, because it, it's important to that young lady. Yeah. I'm terrible at that. But I need change to that. Better. I will. Because it's going to infect your, in your health, your fitness, and your longevity because you're going to be wasting this life – with all that nonsense stuffed up in your head, check the box, get it done, clear that brain, move on, do something. And the next thing I got, Pat Flynn, it's called a, it's called a pirate map. Go to St. John's Island, find the white coconut tree, walk seven steps to the West, dig down. There's the, there's the, there's the sunken treasure. treasure So my pirate map is before I go to bed, I write a to-do list and I make the coffee because I wake up to the smell of coffee. The moment I wake up, I'm grateful because that's what I do every day. I eat eight different kinds of vegetables every day, and then I train. I lift weights. Well, now I'm lifting weights five days a week, and uh, I figure if I do those day in day out for the next ten years, I will be a much happier person. Folks, make a pirate map. It's what you do every day that counts, not what you do in this distance sometime somewhere. I'm terrible at that too. Well, we're after when when we go to break, I'm gonna we're gonna work on the system. I'll show you how to do it. I love it. Um, I wish we had more time with you, but you'll come Can back. I come back. Yeah, you'll come back. I, it'd be nice to have this kind of voice of reason and experience and academia. It's just you're the whole you're the whole deal. Um, 
Appreciate that. I really want to, if we can, I'd like to get into training, deeper into training. I I understand the reason we didn't cover most of that today is because we talked about what was important. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about what's important and then don't – It's okay. We're going to have Thanksgiving, but we don't have a turkey and no guests. Let's get back to what's important here. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Will you come back and visit us? Anytime. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Weekly if you'd like. I'm grateful for what you do for us and and what you've done for me in my career. Um, And I'm excited to apply. I'm going to make a map. I'm going to do that every day. And Well, I have it on my computer. I have it in my diary, and I have it on my bathroom wall. More importantly, I'm going to start returning phone calls and texts. Oh. That's something I need to do a little better at. I have appreciated greatly that every time I wrote something to you, you got back to me immediately. So that's a good that's a good place to start for me. That's my turkey for Thanksgiving. There you go. Dan John, thanks for visiting us. Here thanks anytime. Coming okay, along. thank you. Um, folks, you've been listening to the Return to Real podcast, Honest Health and Fitness, right here with Neil Anderson. 